0: Welcome to Eagle Eye Perspectives podcast. This is Brian Eichelberger. Today is May 13th, 2018. This is part two in the message of overcoming the spirit of poverty. In part one, if we just go back and review a little bit, I shared a dream that I had uh, back on January 19th of 2018 of I was on a roof of a house. It was snowing, but I could see, or had snowed. I could see it was thawing out, so the winter season was ending, and I could see spring beginning to appear. And when I went down into the house, down into the basement of the house, I saw in the foundations that there was a principality walking around and moving around the house. And the principality was the spirit of poverty. And that uh, I hit it in the face a few times, threw it off of a few of the the poles, metal that were holding up the foundation, but it had no impact on him. And the spirit of poverty uh, announced that he had a legal right to be there. And so in the last podcast, we've been walking through what the spirit of poverty is, that uh, we're in a thawing out phase, which represents a time and a period where those who are under the heavy oppression of this spirit of poverty, is like being in a cold, dark winter season. But then as spring begins to approach and the weather starts changing, light begins to appear. Uh, Things begin to warm up. Uh, That spirit begins to lose its influence and its power. And I believe that uh, what we saw in January and February of this past winter, at least in the Maryland area where I'm at, we have seen that there was a falling out. February had some of the warmest Februaries on record, eight days over 60 degrees. These were signs, I believe, pointing to the fact that it was time for the spirit of poverty, this principality and its influence over the body of Christ to begin to be broken and for the people of God to come out of it. And so in the last podcast, we gave a working definition, basically, of the spirit of poverty. And I said, this is just a working definition to start with. It's a stronghold or principality established to keep us from entering into the promise of God or the inheritance that God has for the sons of God. That we have um, by right, because of what Jesus did and what he accomplished on the cross and in the resurrection... That we have these promises and and this inheritance from God as our Father. And again, it only comes because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection. So we have to believe in Christ. Now, there are some out there who don't believe. And so they're going around living the best that they know how. But if you don't believe, or you believe, and you don't have an understanding of relationship, or you haven't uh, known God as your Father, or if you haven't had the culture of the kingdom model for you, many stay in this place of being an orphan. And it's not just renewing our mind, that stronghold has to be broken, but there has to be a model of the kingdom and how sons of God begin to walk with God as their father. So the whole um, advantage point that the enemy has, if you want to say that, is that he's trying to keep us as orphans and uh, he's trying to keep us from walking into the liberties and the freedoms that Jesus accomplished through the cross and through the resurrection. But God has called us to be sons, and as sons we are heirs, and heirs have an inheritance. They have a promise from their father. And so God has a promise for each of, of us who are in Christ, and his promises and his inheritance is that he gives us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Remember in Matthew 6, around verse 33 through 35, he says, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat or how you're going to clothe yourself. You know, he says, you know, don't the lilies of, of the field, aren't they provided for and taken care of? He said, what about the birds? You know, I feed them, they have nests, they have a place to lay their head. You know, worry's not going to add a single hour to your life. You know, don't worry about those things. All those things are going to be provided for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of his, of God and his righteousness. So that's where he wants us to be. Not worried about those other things. What am I going to eat today? How am I, how am I going to clothe myself? How's this going to be provided for? That provided for? What about my health care? And all, God says, I've already got that stuff. You don't have to pray about it. You don't even have to come after me. I see it. I'm going to provide these things for you. I just need you to be led by the Spirit and walk as sons and enter into the kingdom. And these things have to be modeled. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. It's a new wineskin that we're coming into of trying to learn and knowing how to live and operate as sons out of our spirit. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of the Lord. They're not led by their soul realm. They're not led by the flesh. All right. Those things, the flesh passes away. We are called to live out of the spirit. And so we are spirit, we're soul, and we're body. And the communication, the relationship takes place with God spirit to spirit. The soul, the will, the thoughts, the intentions, the reasoning, the intellect of man is meant to submit to the spirit of the Lord. Now the soul has a purpose. When the revelation of God comes, then God also gives revelation On what that revelation means. He gives an interpretation and understanding. And as we understand in our mind and receive the revelation, how to walk it out in the natural, we know how to put it to work. That which he has given to us by revelation, we're able to apply it in our daily lives here on earth. And then our physical bodies walk it out. That's the purpose of your spirit, your soul and your body. And that's what happened with Adam before the fall. He was led by the spirit. He was told, name the beasts, name the animals. He named the things of the field. He took care. He cultivated the garden. But he did it as he was communing with God by the Spirit. And his soul then moved and named and did what it had to do by the revelation that God was given to his Spirit. And then his earthly body, his flesh, worked on the earth to cultivate the ground. But once he be, he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the eyes of his soul was opened up, and he began to live independently of God. So, even as believers, we can believe in God, believe in Christ, and yet still live as orphans and feel like we've got to take care and provide for ourselves. Provision, protection, and identity is found in Jesus Christ as he restores us back into right relationship as God as Father. But the enemy's uh, intent is to keep us as orphans, to keep us continuing to pursue and to um, to work ourselves to death in order to uh, self-preserve ourselves. And so there's something better that God has for us, and that's to walk with him in a manner of his kingdom as fully mature sons. Now, I had mentioned at the last broadcast that there's two things the Lord had mentioned to me that opens up this door of the spirit of poverty that allows this spirit to come in and have reign and rule over our lives. Now, there's many more than just these two, many more. But these are the two that I felt like the Lord is highlighting that he wants me to share at this time. Okay, so I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. I'm going to start at verse 12. Um, I had a word from the Lord about this. And one of the things that he said to me was um, uh, just in a time of prayer. I was up early in the morning and he said to me, he said, um, and he kind of, he said it very intently. He had a lot of intensity in this, in his his voice when he said it. And he said, I'm looking into the hearts of men. Lip service means nothing to me. So, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, starting at verse 12, though, says, Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, Please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, Because the people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists, consists of traditions learned by rote. It consists of traditions learned by rote. And that was the word that he wants to he was really trying to emphasize. Now again, he's saying the traditions of men, when we have traditions, and there's many, many different types of traditions that we can um, uh, fall prey to. But he said the traditions of men are learned by rote, where we can give lip service, we can have all the right words and say all the right things, but never have any understanding in our heart. In 2014, in the early morning, one morning, the Lord just woke me up and he said, Brian, Brian, I said, yes, Lord. He said, tell the people to come up to the city of understanding. And so, you know, we can always be, um, uh, you know, getting more knowledge and more information, but never coming to the truth. There can always be more teachings, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of of, of the truth. And, and what he wants us to do is come to the knowledge of truth. To order to understand, you got to come and stand under. So you can't understand something or someone unless you come and stand under them and where they are. And so God is calling for us to come and to stand under him. So, and, and but yet he says, come up. So there's a call to come up into the heavenly realm. It means we can't understand things by our natural perspectives, all right. Because he's in heaven. We're on earth. His ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So there's a call to come up into that heavenly realm. Just like Revelations 4.1. He said, um, you know, there's a voice that was speaking to me and it's like the sound of the trumpet. He said, come up here. And what he saw was that there was a door that was open in heaven. And that voice told him to come up, come up into the heavenly realm. And immediately when John went up there in Revelations four, Um, when he went up into the heavenly realm, he began to see the kingdom. He began to see the king seated on the throne. And that's where the understanding's got to come from. It's not going to come from our natural mind. It's not going to come from the natural man. It doesn't come by the way of the soul. God speaks spirit to spirit. So he's speaking to our spirit man. So he says here that the traditions of men are learned by rote. Now that word rote, what does that mean? Well, it literally means a mechanical way of thinking, a repetition of words, but we have no understanding of those words. We might even be able to repeat them. You can repeat, you can go back and and go out and repeat what I'm saying. I'm prophesying and teaching concerning these things, but never have an understanding of it yourself. Again, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth, right? Well, we, we don't want that attitude. We want to have a heart that understands. This is directly related in in the book of Corinthians. And when Jesus spoke there in Matthew, I think it was around chapter 13, where he says, they have eyes to see, but they're not seeing. They have ears to hear, and they're not hearing. Their hearts are, are, are dull. There's no understanding. They don't get it. But yet I've given them eyes to see, and yet they still don't see. All right? There's something that's blocking that. What I'm saying is one of the things that's blocking that. And it, and it opens the door to the poverty where we don't enter into the promise or the inheritance of God for our lives, is the spirit of poverty. The traditions of men, the traditions of men open the door to that spirit to come in. And we have this mechanical way of thinking. Now, we've learned it. You can have Presbyterian traditions, Baptist traditions, Pentecostal traditions. You have political traditions. I mean, look at look at the traditions we have in our families. Where we say, no, this is who I and We put our identity with it. But the spirit of poverty, and it gives, it's, it's in every, every ethnic group. It's in every house, every home. It's in every church. It's out there. And so the traditions of men are learned by rote. Where it's based on formulas and models and theories and ideologies. It's always been this way. So this is the way we have to do it. Think about your, your basic institutional church service when you go in. It's always this way. We come in, we do the introductions, we have a, a hymn, a worship for 20, 30 minutes. Um, you know, then you have a teaching, you collect the money, may have to collect two or three offerings, some do. We close out in prayer and we'll see you next week. And it's the same thing, week in and week out. The traditions of men are learned by rote. It's an old, archaic model. Jesus said if we're going to worship, worship is done in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That's true worship. It's not just singing and dancing. We worship in spirit and in truth. That's the worship that Jesus talked about. So we got to have the Holy Spirit, and we need the truth. We need the Word of God. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth, for thy word is true, O God. So the traditions of men are learned by rote. Now, what does Jesus say about this? He actually talks about this. I'm going to read two passages. Matthew 23, starting at verse 27. He's addressing the Pharisees. The Pharisees re- represent the religious people. The, and it represents a religious spirit sitting over the people. He says this in verse 23, in cha- I'm sorry, verse 27 in chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness or uncleanness. Now, that's interesting that he calls them dead man's bones. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 37, we see that there are a valley of dry bones. And my question is, Why are the bones dry? Well, if if there's a valley and it's full of dry bones, then there must be death in, in that valley because there's nothing but bones. There's nothing but skeleton. What causes the bones to get dry? Well, a dry bone is brittleness. It's what we would consider in the medical field as osteoporosis. Okay? I believe one of the things that Jesus is talking about, or one of the things that calls us for the bones to become dry and brittle in the valley of dry bones is the traditions of men that are learned by rote. Because Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he says you're you're nothing but a bunch of dead dry bones in your inner one, men are inner man. Outwardly, yeah, you look whitewashed. You have all the words, you have all the sayings, but your heart's far from me. See, that, that's the same thing with the word of rote. They have all the words and can say all the... The religious spirit knows all the right things to say, but in the heart, it's far from God. And that's what he's addressing the Pharisees. Now, he goes and speaks in Mark 7 more specifically about this. Listen to what he says in Mark 7. Again, he's talking to the Pharisees. In verse 5, Mark 7, verse 5, The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Now in Matthew 23, verse 27, he says that you're full of dead, dry bones. And here he tells them why. They're holding on to the traditions of men that are learned by rote in Mark 7, in verses five through eight. And he even goes back and he, he quotes Isaiah chapter 29, 13, which I just gave to you. See, God is looking into the heart All that lip service means nothing to him. He's tired of the lip service. He's looking into the hearts. And God's going to begin choosing people that he has seen into their hearts. He knows where the heart is. And you're going to see people that you don't think God can use. God's going to be calling in the crippled, the lame, the blind, the naked uh, people that he has looked into their hearts. And he sees something in them that when they come to the knowledge of truth, they're going to go all out for him. And those who are full of, of the religious system and the religious structure and just giving lip service, he'll give them a chance to repent because you can always repent and come back to the Father. And, and that that's what he wants. I mean, that will always be open for us. But there's going to come a point in time where it says, decisions, decisions, many are in the valley of decision. We're back to the valley. We're back to this time of of, of decisions being made. And God begins to make decisions about us. He gives us time to repent. In um, Ecclesiastes, I want to say it's in eight th- eleven. I think that's correct. But he said, because judgment does not come swiftly, people continue to do evil in, in the sight of the Lord. And people continue to do evil and continue to walk in ungodliness because they don't see a judgment that has come swiftly. And many of us are in that position right now. God's giving us a time. This is a time to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. This is a time to draw near to to God where the godly praise to him in a time that he can be found because the time of great floods, they're not going to find him. We can't wait for the difficulties to come upon us and think all of a sudden we can have an instant relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to be preparing ourselves now. And so in this valley of dry bones, there's no sunlight. You know, when you think about it, again, you have that in, in your bones, it really means the dry bones means there's no marrow. It's marrow in the natural, in your bones, your physical bones. There's bone marrow and that's what gives the nutrients. It's what allows the blood to flow into the bones and give it life. So you have red blood cells, which represents the oxygen. It carries the oxygen and the white blood cells carries, um, um, Sites, leukocytes, phytocytes, it helps to to fight against or helps to strengthen the immune system. I'm sorry, it's really what I want to say. It strengthens your immunity. It strengthens your immune system. And so you fight against disease. You fight against darkness. You fight against death. But traditions of men that are learned by rote, it blocks the sunlight. So it's a cold, dark winter season. And the bones dry up and they die. They're brittle. They break. All right? So, you know, the other thing about the the dry bones, as I'm reminded of, is that, you know, it says in the scriptures that the demons went to the waterless places. So a waterless place is a dry place. The demons like to inhabit a dry place. There's no life in that area. They can come in and they can take up Um Take up a habitation. And that's what the spirit of poverty has done in some of our homes. And Our homes being our heart. They've come into the foundation. It's come into the basement. And this thing is is at the very root of what's going on in the body of Christ. And we need to get free of this. these traditions of men that are learned by rote. Whether it's your church traditions. Whether it's your political traditions. Whether it's your family traditions. You know, God will lead you. But he's saying, lay aside the traditions of men that are learned by just your mechanical way of thinking. Now, I'm going to give an example here in a few minutes because he gave me one. So I I, I want to hit on one of the things here about this valley of dry bones and the traditions of men that block the sunlight is that our bones need vitamin D. And we get that from the sun. We get it from the sun's rays. So it shows, again, this aspect that God's wanting to send forth his light and his glory, and he is, but there's things in us that can block it. And we're allowing the enemy in. And we've given him, according to my dream, a legal right. We've allowed him in because we've come into agreement with him. And one of the areas that he's talking about presently, that the body of Christ has got to get set free, is, is the traditions of men that are learned by rote. Because it's directly affecting our immune system. Your immune system is what helps to fight against diseases, sicknesses within the body. Now, a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2003, I had a prophetic dream. And I was in line, about the third person in line, going up to get my immunity shots. I was literally getting immune shots. And the one sitting at the table giving the immune shots was Jesus himself. So I walked up and I said, Lord, I said, what are these shots for? And he told me, and this was back in 2003, he said, there's going to be an increase of diseases and sicknesses coming into the earth. He said diphtheria, uh, malaria, polio, and he he named several. Um, I'm forgetting some of them now. He said, but you got to have my immune shots in order to be safe from the diseases that are coming into the earth. Now, the word diseases is a play on words. It means dis-ease. So there's things that are coming into life, into society. And we're seeing it now, if you see anything on the TV, that are going to make us fearful. That's going to put us at a dis-ease on things. But if we stay close to Him, immunity is staying in oneness. Staying in unity with Him. He prayed in John 17, that we may be one as He is one with the Father. That He and I, we would be one. So He wants us into that oneness with each other. And with himself. So the immune shot was to bring us into unity, a oneness. And one of the things that the immunity does is that it's sound teaching, sound doctrine against the false deceiving spirits that are presently in the body of Christ and going through the nation. We're told in First Timothy four that there will be deceiving spirits that will have um, doctrines of demons, where people are no longer um, hold true to sound teaching, but they'll want to have their ears tickled and that, that they will look for teaching that directly relates to their own pleasures and desires. And to be honest with you, we're seeing this throughout the body of Christ. We're seeing it with the whole gay marriage movement. We're seeing it in the church where people and leaders who are practicing this lifestyle are giving themselves to false teaching and false doctrines. They've, they, Their ears are being tickled, and people are going that way. They're they're changing. They're moving out. They're apostatizing the faith and their belief in many ways and beginning to adopt these doctrines of demons. Well, the scripture and sound teaching clearly says otherwise. Now, I know that's just one area, and I'm not trying to, to beat anybody up. I'm just stating a fact. That we're seeing it and you're seeing it uh, across all denominations. But the true bride is going to stand up for what is true. They're going to love people, but they're not going to apostatize the faith. They're not going to give in. They're not going to compromise in any way, shape or form. I'm going to talk about compromise here, uh, in, in our next podcast. But this is what's going on. Now, one of the examples. Jesus is talking about a sound doctrine was years ago. I had several prophetic dreams and visions. And basically the word was that we're moving from a master's degree to a doctorate. The master's degree is a master's decree where the master is declaring and speaking things and we decree and declare what he has said. But the doctorate represents the doctrines in Christ. There are oracles of God that are coming forth into the earth. It's prophetic, it's revelatory, but there's going to be teaching with it. That's going to be a word in that time and season. And the doctrines of Christ come from the church fathers. In other words, mature apostolic and prophetic fathers are beginning to emerge in the body of Christ. That will set in place sound teaching, sound doctrine. And those who have an ear to hear and have a love for the truth are going to grasp it. It, it, They're going to bring it into their heart. Now, one of the examples that the Lord was giving me concerning the traditions of men as we come into sound teaching is fasting. It was something he kept highlighting. Was fasting in order for us to be blessed. So, (laughs) it's interesting. This was that beginning of the year and a lot of people we're fasting at the beginning of the the new year you know when we entered into January 2018 it seems like it's a tradition that you have to fast to enter into the new year and so it, it was interesting that um uh, i had been asking the lord about this and i said lord is what are you saying about this so many people are saying that you know we need we need to fast in this coming time and in this coming season. It's the beginning of the new year. Um, you know, and what, what do you have to have to say about this? So um, I had been praying about it and I had a few dreams. Um, but I came across, before I get into this, I came across a word or actually a testimony by Heidi Baker. And Heidi Baker was telling a story how she was here in the United States. Heidi um, serves orphans, and she has an orphanage, several hundred children, and um, I can't think of the exact nation. I know it's in Africa, but she she just has the heart of a mother. And um, I saw this video; it just came up on on my internet. I wasn't even looking for it; it just came across my eyes. But basically, Heidi Baker was at a conference in the Washington D.C. area. She was with Bobby Connor, who's a prophet. She was with her husband. She had been fasting. For several days, because she said there was needs that they had at the orphanage, and she was fasting for God to bring provision for them. Because these orphans that she serves and takes care of had provisions that, that she needed, whether it was money or clothes or food. And, and she, she was praying and fasting, saying, Lord, I need you to provide for these kids. And, uh, before she left the conference and, and went back and flew back to, to where she was living, Bobby Connor said, I'm going to take you down to meet a prophet and she didn't want to go. So I'm I'm giving the short of the story. So they drive to North Carolina to meet the prophet Bob Jones. Um I met Bob several year, years ago and he's an authentic prophet and seer of the Lord and and Bobby or Bob lived in the near the backwoods of North Carolina at the, at the time, and it was a six-hour drive, six and a half-hour drive. And she adamantly did not want to go and meet him. She said, "I don't care. I want to get back. I'm fasting. I want to get back home." They said, "No, nope, we got to go meet Bob." So they go down. They meet Bob. They knock on the door. Bob opens up the door, and as she tells the story, it's the backsticks of North Carolina. It's a little shack of a house. And, um, you know, she was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be here. Why do you have me here, God? She was mad at her husband, mad at Bobby Connor. And when Bob Jones opens the door, he says, yep, 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 you're the one. He said, I saw you. God gave me a word for you. He said, come on and sit down. He said, you didn't want to come, but God told me you'd show up. And she she sits down and Bob says, I've got a word for you. And so she's like, okay, and she's describing Bob at that time, and she's not taking much of a liking to him. She really doesn't trust him at this point because of what she sees with her natural eyes. And Bob says, God told me to tell you to eat a cookie. And Heidi, inside, in her heart, began to rebuke him, began to rebuke the devil, thinking, why did my husband and Bobby bring me down to meet this nut? You know, I'm fasting. If he's a true prophet, he knew I was fasting. He wouldn't have have uh, said that to me. And so, you know, she rejected it. And at the same time, there's a knock on the front door and Bob goes to the front door and he opens up the front door and there's a neighbor. And she's got a plate full of chocolate chip cookies, warm, just cooked. She had nuts in them. And she says, Bob, I heard from God this morning. He told me to bake these for you and to bring them over. And Bob Jones says, yep. He said, I know who they're for. He says, thank you. And he takes the plate and he starts laughing. He takes over to Heidi and said, I told you, God said, have a cookie. He said, now eat a cookie. So at this point, God had Heidi Baker's attention. <laughs> and so she ate a cookie. And she took the bite out of the cookie. She immediately fell to her knees and began to weep in travail, in prayer and in intercess. She just began to fall to her knees, weeping. And she heard, she said, the internal, audible voice of God. And she heard the Lord say this. Heidi, I did not call you to be an orphan. I called you to be a son. Why are you fasting for that which I've already promised as your father I would give to you? Now, that word is, is a um, it just strengthens what we've been saying before. It confirms, that's the word I was looking for. It confirms what we talked about, that he did not call us to be an orphan. He called us to be a son. And he had promised to take care and provide for us. But she was fasting in order to get. She was fasting for the blessing. That's what an orphan does. It, flat, it fasts, in, or I need a new house, I'm gonna fast. I need a car, I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna punish myself so that God, I can get God to give me something. And that's not what fasting is about. That's an orphan mindset. And so as Heidi continued the story, she's weeping. She hears this word. It was inside of her. No one else heard it. And Bob Jones says to her, I got another word for you. Eat another cookie. <laughs> So Bob ended up giving her the same word three or four times. She ate that cookie three or four times. She stopped fasting, realizing that she wasn't an orphan. She didn't have to do this out of her own strength, that her father said, I'm already going to provide and take care of you. Why do you think you've got to do this in order to, to get me to move when I've already made the promise to myself and to you that you are an heir as a son? And you have an inheritance. And a part of that inheritance as a son is that I'm going to provide and protect and take care of you. So that same day, I was reading in the scriptures, Zechariah chapter 7. And let me find the exact point in scripture here. It's in verse, starting at, Chapter 7, verse 4 of Zechariah. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, they were in Babylon. They were in bondage in Babylon. For 70 years, they had been fasting and mourning and weeping on the fifth and the seventh months for 70 years. Was it actually for me that you fasted? Now, on the same day that I heard this video and the Lord saying these things to me, I come across this scripture. He tells me to read Zechariah chapter 7 and 8. In verse 7, he says, Are not these the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prophets along with the cities around it? God's asking them, Why are you fasting for 70 years on the 5th and the 7th months? He said, You're not fasting for me. In other words, this isn't a fast that I gave you. You're fasting so you can get out of the place that you're in. But you didn't obey me to begin with. That's why you are where you are. But they again, the mindset of an orphan, I'm gonna to fast to get out of this and get God's hand to move. In chapter eight of Zechariah, he goes on to speak. And he says this <clears throat> in verse 14 of Zechariah eight. For this thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I purpose to do harm to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts. Have I not relented? So I have again purpose in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also, let none of you devise evil in your heart against another. And do not love perjury. For all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. He's saying, this is what I want you to fast from. Fast from those things that are going to be in contradiction to what he was calling them to do. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Do that. Don't worry about all these fasts that you're doing so you can obtain and get. All right? Let's focus on what I want you to do. He says in verse 18, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth, the fast of the fifth, The fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth months will become joy, gladness, and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. So love, truth, and peace. And that's what he's calling us to do. It wasn't to fast so you can get. How many times do we start the new year off with we have to fast? It's a tradition of men that's been learned by rote. Now, I'm not saying God can't bless it. And I'm not saying... Not to do it. I'm saying you need to hear from the Lord and do the fast that he gives for you to do rather than fasting in order to get something. That's the orphan. That's the orphan. Now, we're going to see that there's other things that can call the bones to be dry. But what Jesus said to the Pharisees, okay, one of the things is the traditions of men that are learned by rote can cause dead man bones to come forth. It causes the bones to dry up. And so he's calling us to come out of these traditions. Now, I would advise you to pray and ask the Lord to show you the traditions of men that you have learned by rote, that he wants you to give up, that you need to repent of. You need to relent. You need to lay aside. Now, I'm going to show further in this next uh, part three of our podcast on overcoming the spirit of poverty A fast that he is calling for. Something he is saying to the body of Christ that will help us to get free from the spirit of poverty. Because there is a fast that he is calling for. There is a fast that he is calling for. And you're going to see, as we go further, talking about these dry bones, you'll see in throughout the scriptures that there's other things that causes the bones to be dry. One of those is that we don't take the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, correctly. And many are sick, and many get weak, and many die. That means your muscles, the sickness, the weakness is muscle and bone strength. It gets weak. You, you get sickly. Why? Because they're not taking the Lord's Supper correctly. Envy and jealousy is like dryness or, or deadness to the bones of a man, it says in a Proverbs. So there are other things that can cause these dry, brittle bones, and allows the spirit of poverty to come in, and to oppress the people of God. And we're going to see directly. I'm going to give you one other thing. because I told you it's two. One was the traditions of men that I learned by rote. In the next podcast, we're going to talk about the pointing of finger and the speaking of wickedness. It's a critical spirit. And we're going to see how this and how these traditions of men, how the critical spirit and a few of the things that I'm going to mention, actually is in opposition to the apostles' doctrine in Acts 2.42. I ask for this next podcast that you read Isaiah chapter 58 about the pointing of finger and the speaking of wickedness. I thank you for joining me. This is Eagle Eye Perspectives Podcast. I'm Brian Eichelberger. Grace, grace to you and to your household.